Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the greatest generation, Rudy. A Star Trek podcast by two men who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, I'm, God. Uh, one of your hosts, Ben Harrison. <laughs> oh, that is so gross. What have you done? I, I just nearly killed myself. You're like Kirk Gibson. You're uh, you're too injured to play. We wheeled you out there to get one last yeah. at bat on the Cosby, and uh, you gave it all you could. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I think you're just gonna have to carry this episode, Adam. <clears throat> uh, I'm I'm your other host, Adam Pranica, uh, and I'm uh, really glad that uh, whatever you've got is not communicable. Through microphone wires via, and, via Skype, <laughs> uh, I uh, I definitely had uh, something, if not influenza, something influenza adjacent, as they say in the real estate business. Uh, it was no fucking fun. In this new world of like blogging and and being cool on the internet, you you want to be an influencer, right? <laughs> like mm, that's mm, yeah, that, that's not funny. well it was almost funny it was funny adjacent Uh, Adam I think that the time has finally come to announce a winner in our big contest we put out of course are talking about the contest uh, to give away tour exclusive merch to one of our uh, 1000 club review people right yes we uh we wanted to cheapen the live experience for uh <laughs> the people that the people that actually came out and uh and saw us live by uh de-exclusivizing the t-shirt and poster that we <laughs> that we sold at, at the merch booth there but only for one lucky viewer and uh we asked uh, people to help us get up over a thousand iTunes reviews, and they really came through in a big way. And uh, 2016 was uh, was a big year for us, and I think that that was in no small part due to the enthusiasm and uh, and uh, generosity of our viewers. It was mostly because of them. I, I think that- uh, I think we became quickly obligated to them instead of to us, even. Yeah, I think that's true. Well, anyways, uh, we got a, a slew of entries. I think there were probably more people that left a review uh, to help us get over over the line than actually submitted an entry. So thanks to everybody uh, who left one, and thanks to everybody who submitted for the contest. I used a random number generator on the internet to select our winner and our winner is crystal j uh she wrote a review that was entitled colon meanie (laughs) Mm. which is uh already great and she signed it as keiko o'brien which is also Mm. a lot of fun ben and co-host adam's dulcet tones mixed with the bridge beeps and boops helped me chill out while i was in the hospital for a while Perfect combo, Max, of comedy and Trek. 
Loving the This Old House impression, guys. I think that's what you're doing anyways. Much love from the Shimoda corner of my Warp Drive harp. Keep it up. It just feels amazing to go look at our iTunes page and see how many people have been touched by this show. So, Crystal, please write in, uh, tell us where we can send your t-shirt and poster, and let us know what size you want, and uh, we'll get those dispatched as quickly as we can. Lucky Crystal has won our tour-exclusive t-shirt, which is Engineer Yellow, and a poster which is unfit to be hung in public. So, congratulations, (laughs) Crystal. I saw somebody with that poster framed. I still can't believe that. Yeah, so it, I mean, it's 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 remarkable. I suppose if you're hard up, you can sell the frame at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, shall we get into the episode, Adam? Yeah, let's do it, Ben. You've been sick for quite a while, so this is one of those pods where uh, where we will be recording our show a little bit after we've seen the episode. So we'll see how it goes. It's season four, episode twenty six. Redemption, part one. And Ben, do you remember, it's it's the end of season four, when you were watching this for the first time. Yeah. This is the season after The Best of Both Worlds. Were you expecting a cliffhanger? Like, think, for, for the end of this season and henceforth? I think that I... Uh, I I was not sophisticated enough at the time to expect anything, but I think that anybody that sees the episode title pop up on screen yeah. and sees the part one is gonna be is gonna be excited by that. Yeah. Uh, if if you're watching in that way. Um Unfortunately, like the the excitement that they ramp up for you is like Picard's mission to put a jacket on a guy. Like yeah. that's that that's the mission. <laughs> yeah. So uh so yeah, Picard uh who earlier in the season served as arbiter of succession for the Klingon Empire and uh and uh, also turned a blind eye when Worf cold-blooded murdered the uh one of the two guys that was vying for the top job in the Klingon Empire. Uh is heading to Kronos to install Gowron as the as like what is it the it's not the emperor right he i mean contextually he seems to be uh on his way to becoming the emperor right yeah like that's that's sort of how we would understand it in our culture i guess i guess so or like president for life or something but uh he's going to have Kimpek's role the role that Kimpek used to have. He's going to become Klingon Noriega. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's going to be the goat, and <laughs> and, uh, and so so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna go like do this ceremony, and it seems like it's kind of a kind of just a rote thing, like like all of the all of the paperwork has been done, and they just have to do this little ceremony, and then it's official. Uh, it's sort of like. Um, it's sort of like, you know, they've signed the ketubah, but they haven't had the, like, step on the glass part of the wedding. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get that. The husband hasn't walked around the bride seven times. All that stuff. So, uh, so they're, they're, they're headed out there. My, and... my favorite John Philip Sousa instrument is the ketubah. 
Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> well, this is why we need you at a hundred percent, Ben. I can't carry the show, <laughs> and I've shown that time and time again. The opening scene of this is is kind of weird. It's like Worf is hanging out in in his quarters, and Picard comes in, and he's like, "Hey, you remember how you got your honor stripped from you?" To be honest, Chris, I'd kind of like to forget all that. <laughs> that was awesome. Worf was like, "Uh, remind me." And and Picard's like, "Yeah, like you you're, you've been stripped of honor in the, in the eyes of the Empire, and I think this is your big opportunity to get it back." And Worf is like. Are you sure, Cap? Are you sure that this is the opportunity? Captain's like, I'm pretty sure this is it. Which I was really surprised by, because it's like, all Worf thinks about is his fucking honor. And in this scene, Picard seems way more interested in it and seems to have more urgency around, like, turning the honorship around. The whole tension of it really feels like, uh, like, the... Like when you run into your ex-girlfriend at a social event, <laughs> like like you think it's not going to happen until you go out to a thing and she's there. Like Worf, in an odd way, has not thought about this, right. even though he's about to go to this massive Klingon social event. Picard's like, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to put things back together, to yeah. to get back on cool terms with those Klingons that you broke up with. Well, maybe maybe it's like, Maybe Picard is just, like, sick and fucking tired of having to tell every Klingon official that comes on board that they're going to have to deal with Worf as a Starfleet officer, you know? Because he had that ambassador, and the ambassador was like, oh, it's very awkward for me to be around Worf, and Picard had to, had to uh, you know, like, that's got to get old for, for Picard. Yeah, and it's pretty clear that everyone else working security on that ship is just... Not great at that job, <laughs> and uh, and that starts from the top, really. Yeah. Well, do you think Worf's quarters is a good place to practice batleth? No, because he's uh, winging that thing around. The quarters are pretty tight. Like he has to have knocked stuff off of off of countertops before, yeah. right? The only explanation for this is that Riker was using the holodeck right yeah. before Worf got there, and he, you know, he showed up, and the doors opened up, and he was just like, "Never mind, I'll, I'll just do it in my quarters." The triumphant return of Worf puffs occurs in this scene too. <laughs> oh yeah, love those puffs. <laughs> so the Enterprise is getting into Klingon territory, and a attack cruiser comes out and meets them, and. Who should be aboard but Gowron? And um, Gowron is like, We will have to move quickly if we are to be successful. Successful? Yes. In preventing a Klingon civil war. Always the threat is the Klingon civil war that the Romulans are going to be involved in somehow. Uh, it's, been the, it's been the kind of reflexive go-to threat all season. So finally... Uh, you know, they're going to show us the shark, right? <laughs> like, if this season is Jaws, we're finally going to see the see the shark pop out of the water in this in this episode. The shark happens to be the form of Klingon Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Gowron comes aboard and tells them what's popping, and when Worf takes Gowron down to, to uh, beam him back off the ship, He's like, he's like, hey, let me kick something to you. And Garon is like, 
uh uh-uh, uh, I don't want to hear it. I, I know about you. And, uh, and so, like, Worf has to, has to, like, send the transporter operator out of the room and explain that his discommendation was a, a lie of convenience to protect the Empire from Duras. And, like, you know, Worf and Gowron have the same enemy. So that's, like, definitely interesting. Worf kicks the transporter guy out so they can have a private conversation. And, like, Gowron is uh, is super brave. Like, <laughs> like I think we all understand that you can't uh, rise to the level he's at without, without having a certain amount of bravery. But, man, I think if you're him and you're ready to transport away, I don't think I like Worf at the controls of that thing. <laughs> yeah, it could just beam you into space. You would have no <laughs> no defense like, against that. There's a there's a greater amount of leverage in this scene than I think we are really supposed to understand. Yeah, that's interesting. I also thought that like it was interesting that Worf had to bring this up. Like Picard comes down to him and is like, "Hey, time to time to get that honor back." And then like Picard spends a whole bunch of time talking with the one guy who has any authority over that and then Worf is like hey uh, I don't know if this has come up for you yet but <laughs> my discommendation was a lie to protect the empire and, and Gowron is like what? Worf has got to be like what the fuck did Captain Picard even talk to him about? <laughs> He's like asking his boss for a raise when his boss really doesn't know what he does day yeah. to day Yeah, I'm not sure if you've noticed but uh, I've closed a bunch of these accounts yeah, kicking a lot of ass and I'm staying late. And the boss is like, I don't even know who you are, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, I don't know a, a lot of uh, a lot of cross wires so far in this episode. I would say. Yeah, Worf's got to be real disappointed because <laughs> he gets it up for this conversation and it totally backfires. <laughs> They get ready to do the ceremony, and it's going to be the big, uh, the big ceremony where they put a jacket on Galrod, and uh, it's like a, it's like a combination cloak and Girl Scout vest because it's got a lot of badges. I'm sure that they're from different, different achievements. You know, it looks real heavy. Fire starting. Uh, helping an old lady cross the street, <laughs> sell, selling the most cookies. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, they're, like they're literally like about to drop it on Garon's shoulders when uh, a record scratches and the music cuts out, and uh, the two Dura sisters and and their baby nephew Toral come in, and Toral is a brilliantly cast character, I want to say, because. <laughs> He's like Duras's heretofore unheard of male heir. Like nobody knew that he had a son. Uh, he would have to have a son uh, for the person to be like have a legitimate claim on his seat on the council. Uh, and like this guy is a foot shorter than all other Klingons <laughs> and has zero charisma. Like. Like, he is asking to be the leader of a huge star empire, and, 
like has all of the charisma of a paper bag. I feel like to to direct him, they just showed him all the scenes from Karate Kid of the bad guy <laughs> dojo and all of the kids who train there because that's how this guy acts the whole time. Yeah, yeah. The great thing and the terrible thing about Klingon t- storylines is that we don't ever get like a a, a significantly fleshed out enough look at how the Klingon universe works for any like arbitrary change in in the storyline to not just work you know like like they're exploiting some rule i guess where it's like you know if if anybody seated here can see a reason why Gauron should not marry this <laughs> vest speak speak now or forever hold your peace and and you know like the <laughs> They speak up, and it's like, well, we got to take this seriously. So, so the like, reason I called him Klingon Jake earlier is because <laughs> it's—he's getting into a shuttle he doesn't know how to pilot. Like he walks out into the middle of of the of the of the hall of the great hall, and yeah. after every line that he spits, he's sort of like he tur- he looks around and he's like, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, like, like uh, he has no confidence at all. N- no confidence, but but somehow like s- feels entitled to to people's support, you know. Yeah, yeah. And there's and there's one thing about like the whole Duras threat is they are painted as a threat, but it's never really established like what makes them so powerful and what makes them so bad, you know? Like yeah. what like like I guess they're like down to align the empire with the Romulans, so that's bad for the Federation, but it's not inherently bad for the Klingons. And if if they showed a, if they showed them doing something that was really distasteful in Klingon terms to like achieve this kind of power, I think that that would have been a really like a really good little tweak to this script. I mean, I think it's a it's a pretty good episode. To me, they're only a threat because of the Romulans, right? Like, like, because we've seen them torture people. We've seen them do all sorts of bad things. All you see the Duras sisters do is show a lot of middle boob. Yeah, yeah. And that's not evil. No, we should do everything in our power to support that kind of behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think that that was makeup on boob or did you think that that was like a a rubber part of the costume that was made to look like boob i already i i have always assumed it was real boob real boob with makeup on it and to think that at any point it would not be real is like that's shattering (laughs) a, a, a part of my imagination yeah you don't want to live in that universe no um yeah, I think not, I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I I think it looks it looks real enough that it's probably real. But so Gowron sees this fucking kid roll up right as the coat's about to put on his shoulders, and he's like, "Someone, please kill him!" Like <laughs> like he just sort of dismisses him with a with a flip of his hand. But I mean, Captain Picard is the arbiter. Everyone else in the room being uh, real political wonks. Like, they've got to actually go through the motions of hearing this out. They can't just drop the coat on him. Like, mm-hmm. they got to do the blood test. 
They yep. got to see if if things are correct. So they sort of adjourn the meeting to go take care of this. Right. There's a few little things that happen in here. I think this is probably about in the episode where Guinan crashes Worf's target practice party. Yeah. And uh, this is a real weird scene because Guinan comes in and is like, oh, like, you're only on level 14? Well, <laughs> I, I can slum it for a while. And they do target practice. And they have this conversation and it's like, it's a classic Guinan moment in that they're talking about something, you know, and like she, she like has found Worf at a time when he needs advice and is giving him advice, but it's not about anything that's happening in the episode. It's all about uh, him being um, a father to Alexander, which is an interesting choice. I think it like, it's not, it's not, TNG's way to talk about characters that aren't in episodes. Hmm. You know? Like, they definitely yeah. don't talk about Kim Peck at all in this because they would have had to, like, explain who Kim Peck is and what right. his, his role is. And, and, like, rehashing that would be inefficient. But Worf's relationship with his son is... Uh, I think they're basically setting the table for that in this scene because... Um, you know, we know that Alexander becomes kind of a regular player later in the series, uh, but not in this episode at all. She does that form of counseling where, <laughs> where you're she, where you're blasting away at, at dots floating on the wall, <laughs> showing your showing your superior marksmanship. Like sometimes, uh the first step in getting past a way you're feeling is to identify the way that you're feeling. And then fade And it. she gets Worf to sort of cop to not feeling like other Klingons. And then they start shooting dots again. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a fun scene. It is. And a- it's the scene that, that you sort of want out of Guinan all the time because it's so, like, it's so true to her brand. You know, yeah. she will crash your party. She, you... You you almost never approach her on her turf. She always finds you when you need her. Right. In sort of a magical way. Yeah, she's like LSD in that way. I was disappointed she didn't bring the bar gun to target practice. <laughs> I so know, we could I totally... finally see what level two was. Yeah. It probably uh it's probably incompatible with that target range, you know? It'd yeah, just be it like would shoot pun- right through the wall. <laughs> punching holes in the ship. Yeah. <laughs> the bar gun. <laughs> I think this is when Worf kind of makes up his mind to go like sort his honor shit out. So he goes and sees Picard and uh asks for a leave of absence. Picard is very eager to give it to him. And uh and then Worf goes and sees Kern, uh who is his brother and uh he's he's basically Come up with this idea that if he can if he can be a big help to Gowron when Gowron is in a tight spot amidst all of this all of this uh, drama and intrigue, then Gowron will be kind of forced to to reopen the Worf's honor case. 
And uh, it's a weird assumption that like that in Klingon culture, doing the whole enemy of my enemy is my friend situation, yeah. like that that would actually work. <laughs> like these are people who stab each other in hallways for for perceived slights. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, I mean, it, it went, like, I think Kern's support winds up being the linchpin for Gowron uh, being able to make the stand that he makes. Right. But, uh, but yeah, like, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's really interesting how much the idea of honor and politics come into conflict all the time for Gowron and basically everybody on the council because like to be honorable is to be truthful and forthright and to stand on principle and and to like like you know stand up for your allies and and all that stuff and like all the fucking people in the council do is work to serve themselves and to and to like advance their own interests ahead of others and uh work for power it's it's a it's a weird thing that this would be the group of people that are in charge of 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 the klingons and i think that that sort of becomes a theme for Worf across both of these episodes is like like Worf uh has worked his whole life to like make himself as klingon as fuck but it's this kind of like it's this kind of idealized version of what a Klingon is. And that's sort of what Guinan's calling him on too. Like she's saying like Klingons laugh all the time and you never laugh. And, uh, and, and so like Worf, Worf kind of is shown to be alien in both the Klingon milieu and the human milieu. Like he's, he's outside both cultures. Yeah. Jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even in Klingon culture, you rarely get the political leader that uh, you feel like you deserve. Yeah, yeah. The, and the person who rises to the top of that pile is often the one uh, who's willing to do the fucked up shit to get there. Absolutely. Um, uh, do you feel like uh, when you vote for Gowron, you're basically voting uh, for big eyes? Like straight, straight big eyes vote. Yeah, all the way down ballot. Yeah, the his 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 campaign slogan is like squinting into the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> squinting, squint into the future with Gaura. My love is a So we sort of see also behind the curtain of what's going on with the Dura sisters, right? So the yeah. Dura sisters and Klingon Jake are palling around, and uh, and backstage at the at the High Council chambers, we've got uh, we've got a couple bread boxes back there too, palling around, palling yeah. around with the Romulans. Casa Casa de Duras is is rotten with Romulans, and um, I think that this was meant to be. Like she's meant to be in full silhouette, and I think that the like higher dynamic range of HD kind of fucked this up. Yeah, I remember but, uh, this too. But you can definitely see that uh, that one of the Romulans who uh, who is also in the Manchurian Jordy candidate episode is none other than Rom Yarlin. Oof. Ram Yarlin. 
No, I heard you. It, it I, works I, on the it works on the page. Great. Okay. <laughs> on the page, it's bold and underlined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks awesome. Uh, <laughs> so sent with fireworks. Yeah. So <laughs> sent with heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> They've really done their best to breadbox China Phillips here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. This as sexy as a bread box can possibly be. <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, the uh so the Dura sisters are unambiguously in league with the Romulans. Like this is something that's always been, you know, a a thing that's been implied and like we know that Duras's father was the one that betrayed the Klingons to the Romulans in the Kittimer attack. Uh but but this is the first time we've seen like, yep, Romulans are trying to start a Klingon civil war so that they can change the balance of power in the quadrant. And the reason, I mean, one of the reasons this is so fucked up is that like in a Klingon civil war between uh, House Duras and House Gowron, like you would imagine it would be fairly even on both sides. But if the Romulans are running arms uh behind enemy lines to house Duras, like the Gowron yeah. people don't stand a chance. Right. Yeah. So, so what it's shaping up to be is a real like Romulan Soviet union federation as NATO and, and Klingon empire as Vietnam type situation. And, uh, we got to make sure we're back on the right horse. So, Worf is is basically totally preoccupied because he's on his leave of absence, not with preserving stability in the empire or anything, but with uh, getting his honor squared away. So he's using the Enterprise computer banks to uh, find some of the evidence that they used to to prove that, and um, and Picard catches him and is like. Uh, that's actually not cool, Worf. Like that's that's like secret Federation information, and you're using it to change the political situation on your home world. Like that's kind of the opposite of the Prime Directive. <laughs> and uh, I thought this was uh, this was an interesting conflict as well because um, we know that Picard believes that the first duty of every Starfleet officer is the is to the truth, right? Are you talking about scientific truth? Yeah, or historical truth, or moral moral truth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you take your pick of truth. Uh, Starfleet officers are supposed to be into it, and right. uh, and Picard. Uh, they're they're poly truthists. Mm-hmm. And Picard wants uh, wants Worf to focus on the non interference part of his Starfleet obligations. So, um, so who does Picard think he's talking to? I mean, <laughs> Worf stuck a batleth through Duras's chest like six episodes ago. Like, yeah, like there's no more meddling than like nothing meddles more than a batleth through the chest. <laughs> yeah, and and it's also weird because Picard started this episode by going like, "Worf, this is your big chance. Get your honor back, dude." Which is in itself sort of an encouragement to meddle, right? Yeah. I can like, see how Worf is confused. Yeah. I'm sure the computers on uh, the Klingon homeworld suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're like green screen 
pet computers. You remember those from like elementary yeah. school? Your first computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got they've got like Zork on them. Like the sound of the monitors on that bridge, like that high frequency. Oh yeah, screaming. Ah, oh, it's gonna be terrible. Yeah, you don't notice it until you turn the computer off, and then you're like, yeah. Oh boy, Jesus! What the fuck? Oh my God! I was straining, and I didn't even realize. Yeah. If you go sharpen a pencil, it makes all the all the yeah. monitors shake because <laughs> it dirties up the power on the on that power line. Yeah, lots of dirty power over there on the mm-hmm. pack. <laughs> yeah, a lot of pencil sharpening going on too. I'm sure. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. So Picard decides to kind of cut the baby in half and make the information about the Kittimer incident public to everybody. And Worf is like, awesome. But that sort of closes the closes that story, right? Like, like they never come back to that being a thing. And I would think that that would be like big news. Like that's like the WikiLeaks of of Star Trek, right? Like, shouldn't the Klingon Empire be shaken to its core by revelations that Klingon John Podesta makes a really sweet risotto recipe or whatever? Well, I mean, just like, just like in contemporary times, like you, you choose what is important based on, on your values, right? (laughs) And what you would like to see happen. And, certain factions of the the Klingon politic uh, believe that to be insignificant, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they they would much rather have a honorless child take power than somebody who has bad email security like House Gowron. <laughs> it seems more and more clear that a civil war is going to pop off any moment, and Picard at this point is like, yeah, so Worf, I should probably recall you back to the Enterprise because we got to back out of this thing and go back to Federation space. We're not really in a position to yeah. insert ourselves into this. So uh, why don't you come on back now and we'll yeah. we'll back away. Grab the bottom of the helicopter as we lift it up off this <laughs> embassy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, That's very much the climate. Yeah, and it's funny because... Because Gowron has just been there, like, asking for Picard to, like, take his side in the impending war. And and so, like, Gowron and Worf are both, like, walking out of the room, and Worf is in this tight spot. And Gowron looks at him like, you're not going to leave me hanging like this, are you, dog? And Worf is like, all right, well, that's it. Then I resign my commission as a Starfleet officer. And he takes off his badge and tosses it on the desk. And uh, and this is like the big climactic moment in the episode. This scene features another moment of Riker watching tennis. Like, this has (laughs) happened a few times this season even, where Riker's just in the middle of of a sometimes two-shot, sometimes three-shot, where he's like, he looks at Picard, then he looks at Worf, and then he looks at Picard, and then he's like... He doesn't betray any sort of feeling while he does it either, which is an interesting amount of restraint on his part. Yeah. But this massive thing happens in front of him, and he is the coolest guy in the room. 
and he's also like Worf's best bud, you know? Like it, yeah. it's surprising that he doesn't speak up more here or like ever have a scene where he is talking things over with Worf. You know, what's Worf going through? And that further highlights something that I think is very strange about this episode, which is like basically nobody but Picard and Worf have anything to do in it. Right. Like it's all Klingon shit. And like, I think data has like a line or two. Riker has a line or two. You don't see anything from Jordy, Troy, the doctor, like no, like none of the rest of the cast has any involvement really. I don't think that serves the story very well at all. I mean, the gravity of this moment could be so much larger if it looks like it hurts Riker. Like, if the idea looks like it's going to be a massive emotional uh, trapdoor for a bunch of people. But not even Picard is in a position to emote anything at this point. He just sort of takes it like a boss who's had an employee quit. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Riker's so upset by it that that's all he can do. But, yeah, like, I mean, I also think that, like, <laughs> like the, the point of, in this, in this era of television history, the point of a big cliffhanger final episode is make him want to come back next season. And it's like, it's like a different show, you know? This show has never been about make them want to watch another episode, even. <laughs> well, anyways, the war starts up, and uh, it's looking like Gowron is about to go down in the first battle. They manage to take out one of the two Duras ships that are coming to attack his cruiser, but the other one is just about to, to put him out of their misery when Kern and his crew show up and and uh, scare them away. So Duras, uh, the Duras sisters have their have their army, and Gowron and Worf and Kern have their army, and they they have the fight that everybody's been spoiling for. Gowron was talking a lot of shit about not having much interest in giving Worf his honor back, and like the second Worf saves Gowron's bacon once... Gowron's like, here, shake hands with this knife. You got it. You got your honor. It's yours, buddy. Like, Gowron is cheap at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. Shaking hands with a knife, man. Yeah. That does not... I mean, anyone who's ever sliced their hand will tell you. It's going to take a long time to heal. Yeah, skin's always moving. It doesn't heal quickly. And uh, really bad hand injury continuity also, because uh, for the rest of this episode and the backhand of the cliffhanger, like, <laughs> his hand's working just fine. Yeah, that's true. It's not wrapped up at all. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about this big, surprising final scene? So at the very end of the episode, uh, House Duras is feeling pretty great about their chances. They're uh, They're talking backstage about yeah. what's going to happen next. We know that they're, they're, they're sort of their they're military sort of, power is a lot is a lot is 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 pretty far ahead of what Gowron is able to muster at the moment. Yeah, and with and with the convoys coming in uh like they're they're sort of toasting the idea that the enterprise has left the scene and that they're going to be left to uh 
clean up this mess that they've created and install yeah. uh, the leadership that they've always wanted. Yep. And out from the shadows comes uh, comes Romulan Tasha Yar, who is like, uh, look, these uh, these humans, you may underestimate them because you think you think this Picard guy is going to leave. But I'm here to tell you one thing. Humans pop up when you least expect them. Yeah. And then we get the dun-dun-duns. It's like the way Tolkien would describe a hobbit. <laughs> like... Well, yeah. I mean, not not the least of reasons is because uh, Tasha Yar's looking very elvish. She sure is, yeah. But she's got the she's she's got the Romulan haircut, but she's the one Romulan that's blonde. Right. Uh, I rewatched this scene over and over again when I was a kid, and they don't show you the ears. Oh, really? Yeah. And and that Her- that was a. That was a real head scratcher going into that summer. Like, is she or isn't she? Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder if they wanted to leave their options open. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sort of right through the summer. She's not as, she's, she has nowhere near as much loaf uh, as, the other, as the other Romulans. I don't think she has any forehead loaf at all, right? Well, she, she covers it up with bangs, which yeah, she's is a, a great way to, to cover up anything you got on your forehead that, that, uh, Mm-hmm. That is not looking cosmetically tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, tended to grow my hair a little longer when my uh, when my acne flares up. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, most of our viewers know what that's like, Ben. Mm-hmm. Well, that just about wraps it up for Redemption Part One. Did you like this episode, Adam? I'm going to reserve. Whether or not I like it, because I think it all depends on part two, mm. with how strong part one is. There's, it's a, it's just a, it's just a tee up for what's to come. There's not a lot of there there in this story. Yeah, like things happen, but a lot of table gets set. Yeah, even in Best of Both Worlds Part One, a lot happens. Yeah, and far less happens in this first of two parters. So. Yeah. I was I was n- noting when I uh, when I was like setting up our our little show notes here that like the plot descriptions of part one and two that I copy pasted from Wikipedia are like like part one and two has as much plot description as an average single episode yeah of the show yeah because it's very sceny instead of plotty right yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. It's it it's an episode that sets a lot of table but also just like completely baffles me in a lot of ways. Like like they're always beaming up and beaming down to the planet while like war is brewing overhead and it's like how how like free are people to just travel around yeah. this highly contended planet? Like like and and is it cool to just for Picard to just kind of like by himself go visit the Dura sisters? Like, shouldn't he take like a Dustbuster Club with him if he's gonna go do that? There's so many things that I'm just like, the fuck is going on? They really dangle a lot out there, don't they? They dangle the flagship out there near the Klingon homeworld. They dangle Picard and Worf on the planet surface all the time. Yeah. Like they're really willing to stick their dicks into a pencil sharpener mm-hmm. like multiple times this episode. Make those screens shake. <laughs> yeah. In a way that typically you'd get Riker going 
like playing a little defense with yeah. the strategy here, and he's so absent that you don't even get a scene like that. Yeah. If when, you're a cast member and you see the script to the season finale of season four, the most important season that you've had, and you see every cast member gets a single line of dialogue except for Patrick Stewart and Michael Dorn, like, are you a little disappointed? Are yeah. you a little insulted? What's up with that? I don't think the doctor or Troy or Jordy said anything. I mean, there's a scene where they walk Worf off of the ship past sort of a, a parade, like yeah. everyone's at parade rest down this corridor to to the transporter room. Uh, and, and the parade ends in the transporter room with the senior staff. And you see Beverly and Troy in there. I don't think you see, oh, and Jordy. But yeah. You never see them in the rest of the episode. And I don't think they have any lines. I like I watched that scene over again cuz I was like did we even see did we even see Gates McFadden's face is it possible that they just put somebody else in that wig Yeah uh, we I don't do know. see her face but it's like it it like it might as well have just been shot from the back and a stand in wearing wearing that beautiful beautiful wig Yeah It's uh it's it's very strange I I like the episode though like it's it's fun to it's fun to take a break from Federation politics and and splash around in Klingon politics for a while. Yeah, I agree with you there, for sure. Um, and uh, I do think that it has set up the, the table for an interesting next episode. Um, Someone has set us up the table. <laughs> yeah. All your chronos are belong to us. I, uh, I mean, getting back to that whole summer break thing... You can't help but be a little bit crestfallen that this is that this is the cliffhanger, right? It's a very shallow cliff. This mm-hmm. is a survivable cliff to fall off of. Right. Like, it would suck for Worf to be off the show, which is sort of implied is what's going to happen. Yeah. But we'll live. It's not, it's not Picard becoming the enemy. No, uh, Riker is not, like, fondling a pistol <laughs> and whether or not to fire it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do an ad, Ben? Let's make some money. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. First one is from Richard Dodson, and it's to Ben Connor. Sound familiar? I love those guys. Our old buddy Richard Dodson. Yeah. Dick Dodson. Here's how it reads. Thanks, Ben. It was awesome seeing a pod response. How do you think they'll read this? Kevin Picasby edition of This Old Entrepreneur? By the way, Transparent Aluminum is a great ad to the inside joke about soundproof drywall. (laughs) Adam and Benjamin would probably dig the joke, too but the 350-character limit is preventing me from properly explaining it. (laughs) What's great about this message is that Richard Dodson understands how important it is to explain a joke. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just not going to tell the joke. He knows it's crucial to explain it. Dissect the frog. For a proper comedic effect. Yeah, it's the greatest gen way. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like that's what we should have done to our tour t-shirts is like few people actually got what we were doing uh-huh. with that and that maybe at the bottom of that we just should have done uh, these are the names of the engineers <laughs> <laughs> would have been on brand yeah thanks Richard for continuing to send these <laughs> uh we have another message here. I have a feeling that Richard ha- is having some email problems. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is this might be Richard's only way to send messages to people. It's the most expensive way of uh, carrying on a two-way conversation and the least <laughs> private. <laughs> Happy to help. Uh, our second Priority One message is from Tim, and it is for Tom... Parenthetically, my favorite gay nerd. Did you know gay nerds love Star Trek? I think I do now. I had my suspicions. <laughs> Message goes like this. Tom, thank you for turning me on to this great podcast, which has been a wonderful diversion while I've been recovering from having my own artificial heart surgery. Whoa. Even though I wasn't quite stabbed by a Nausicaan. <laughs> to Ben and Adam, how about Voyager next? Hair jokes alone seem worth it. Ooh. Oh, Tim. There's some... uh, I see your point. There's some definitely goofable hair. I think that Voyager, perhaps more than Deep Space Nine, has the the examples of 90s hair that the 90s hair cast would really be able to sink its teeth into. It's true. Um, But then again... That also would be like signing ourselves up for three and a half more years of this. <laughs> I keep going back and forth about that <laughs> level of commitment, Ben. <laughs> well, people will find out one way or the other. Uh, th- I- thank you, Tim, for sending that message. If you'd like to send a message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. People love sending messages, so why don't you do it? I imagine uh, Tim is like recovering in a in a hospital room from his heart surgery, and his doctor walks in, overhears him listening to this stupid fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, Tim, you you wanted to live for this? <laughs> I gave you this artificial heart for this. What a waste! <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you're still around, Tim. Yeah. That's kind of the the kind of bedside manner that a Dr. Pulaski would have, right? Yeah. Like if, if Pulaski caught Picard listening to the greatest generation, she would sort never of like a... never have let him live that down. You know, like a guy uh, who goes into a place where smoking isn't allowed, so he dangles his arm outside the door to keep the cigarette lit? Like, yeah. that's, that's Dr. Pulaski with a drink, like, <laughs> like doing an examination, but the highball glass is outside the door. <laughs> you hear the clinking ice. Yeah. Jordy, Jordy walks by outside and makes eye contact <laughs> with him, and he's like, all right. Darmok Angela. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. 
And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen. So I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Uh, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did, Adam. Uh, drunk Shimoda, of course, is our award that we give the character that is most memorable for whatever ridiculous arbitrary reason we select in an episode. Um, my drunk Shimoda was Toral, the Klingon Jake, uh, for almost missing his window to stop Gowron from becoming <laughs> Chancellor. 
he shows up late to the installation ceremony. Like the the cloak is inches from Gowron's shoulder when he like runs in, and, and I just would love to see the like montage of him getting out of bed and like realizing that he hit the snooze button one too many times. It's like a total Back to the Future open. Yeah, like Terrell is like sleeping all all folded up. Yeah, in his uh, in his maroon vest. Mm-hmm. His yeah. maroon life preserver. I would love to see the like scene where he's like racing through the hallways, uh, like uh, Ferris Bueller, like you know, running running through backyards, uh, walks back to say hi to the Dura sisters as they're sunbathing in their bikinis, and then keeps running. Uh, I would love to see him come around a hallway corner and like almost skid out and then keep running. <laughs> There's so much I wanted to see there. I feel like if they'd cut the scene with Guinan talking to Worf about Alexander, they would have had time for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not, not that I want to cut a Guinan scene, but like, didn't, didn't Don't drive the story. Don't you dare cut a Guinan scene. <laughs> uh, did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? I did and I do. Uh, I'm giving my Shimoda to every scene that Picard chooses to speak Klingon. <laughs> and... The reason is, it's like, it's like going to a Mexican restaurant with your parents and your mom orders the chimichanga. Like, <laughs> every time Picard says kapla to, to Worf or any other Klingon, mm-hmm. they don't respond in Klingon. And right. I think that's very telling. <laughs> it's because they are embarrassed for Picard <laughs> having made the attempt to speak Klingon. Like, yeah. And Picard doesn't get the hint. He keeps speaking Klingon to people, and they keep speaking English back at him. They're like, they're trying to get him off the hook for the language barrier, and Picard just keeps soldiering through. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're embarrassed for him, and I think Picard should stop doing it. Yeah. It's like, um, it's it's one of those things where you don't know if it's going to be culturally you know if it's if it's like a compliment that you are trying to communicate with them in their language or a little condescending that yeah you you want to use your worse version of their language than they're (laughs) as good as yours version of your language yeah uh yeah there's um that's the feeling it's the wincing condescension that that i feel every time i see a scene like that well the one the one character that doesn't that doesn't wince is Worf. Worf gives him like full Worf eyes when, when he says Kapla to him. So I think that just brightens up the line around how weird Worf is as a Klingon. Are we sure Worf eyes counts as approval? I think... Uh, Worf eyes for all sorts of reasons. I think in this case, it's definitely approval, Adam. <laughs> Fair enough. Ben, what do we have coming up on the next episode? Is it part two... To this cliffhanger? That would be uh, my guess. The next episode is season five, episode one, Redemption, part two. And this is the first episode where the veto power is back in the on configuration <laughs> for both of us. And uh, here is the Vetoes little, are armed. Vetoes are armed and dangerous. Um, Picard risks all-out war with the Romulans when he involves Starfleet in a Klingon civil war. You remember this episode, Adam? 
again, like as much as I remember any other Klingon storyline episode, this is this is the episode where we get a lot more of Romulan Tasha, though. Yeah, like this is this is the payoff to the big reveal, the literal reveal. Yeah, I you know like w- last episode we were talking about. Uh, Redemption Part 1 and I was like pretty sure that that was the episode where Data gets to be captain for a little while. Yeah. And like after this I'm not positive that that's this one. Maybe it's like another you know like like are, is it all just going to be more Klingon shit or are they going to get the other characters involved now? <laughs> I feel like you go into summer break as an actor having not done anything on part one. I think you've got to assume that you've got nothing to do in part two also. Yeah, get a little... Like, uh... You just show up fat and, and uh, <laughs> like out of shape and like with the wrong haircut. Yeah, Data's got like a mustache when he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> like showing up for training camp out of shape. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Fun. Sort of a sort of protest fat. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, this is my strike beard. Well, would you uh, would you veto this one, Adam? Uh, as a matter of principle, I think I would like to watch both sides of a two-parter. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm right there with you. So we shall watch it. Oh, what a relief! I'm looking forward to it, Adam. You know what relieves me every time I look at it is I don't want to know what relieves you, Ben. <laughs> Not talking about relieving myself. I'm talking about <laughs> other people relieving me. That's even worse. <laughs> How many people relieve you, Ben? Well, they. Like hundreds, literally, relieve me every month by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and choosing to become sustaining members of MaximumFun.org and selecting The Greatest Generation as one of the shows that they are pledging to support. Uh, It's money that really uh, comes in handy when it comes to the justifying all of this time-wasting to our wives conversations and... uh, and uh, we really appreciate uh, the fact that people find enough value in this to uh, put a couple of ducats toward it. We've also uh, inherited quite a community as a result of this show. People talk about uh, the, sh- the show and tell even better jokes than ours uh, on Twitter <laughs> using the hashtag GreatestGen. We're also on Facebook in a couple of places. And Reddit at r slash GreatestGen. Yeah. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and the great Adam Ragusia for our Priority One music and several other songs they hear from time to time on the show. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an all-out episode of The Greatest Generation. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.